When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Brain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in, oh Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not to three! Hello, I'm Charles Commons and welcome to Memory Lane. This is the series from It's All Cobblers to Me where we're hearing from you, the Northampton fans, about your memories of following the Cobblers. This time I'm speaking to a former international trampolinist, who knew, and Chronicle and Echo sports writer who assisted covering the Cobblers for eight years, from 2005 to 2012. So let's start this episode by finding out where Steve Walsh of marketing agency Jump wants to take us on his trip down memory lane. All over the gaff is the easy answer, Charles. Thanks for having me on. Um, only took twice through the intro, isn't it? So well done. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, where do you want to go? Basically, we, we had our, our kind of pre-chat, didn't we? And I um, tried to just think of as many stories as I possibly could. So um, originally I was going to say, like, can we go, can we look at season 0809? Because um, although they got relegated, I thought that would be a little bit of a, a change to what everyone else is going to want to go down memory lane about. But it's the first season that... Um, I was kind of covering Cobblers every, or pretty much every single game, um, which is a slog, really, isn't it? Let's face it. Um, <laughs> I mean, brilliant, but don't be wrong. It, for the first season to do that when you actually get relegated um, meant that basically most, most most nights when you're coming home from I don't know, Brighton on a Tuesday, the roads are closed, you get diverted, get in at 2am. Everyone's kind of had enough, but it was quite funny as a result and um, quite good fun and uh 
some funny memories. <laughs> I think I was <laughs> I was talking to you um, about uh, they lost one. I, I, I'm aware that I'm jumping way in already, so apologies. Go for it. Um, Go for it. They lost. I went on soccer base in prep for this because my memory is absolutely dreadful, <laughs> um, and I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to have people. Um, saying about basically that he has well people say that anyway he hasn't got a clue but um when i get names dates results wrong um but i am correct when i um remembered that they lost one nil away at yeovil on a tuesday night um mm. which was the end of march um it was utter shit um and uh, everyone had kind of had enough by that point um even gareth um who used to give us certain players to speak to after the game so that's Gareth Wilshire, who we've had yes, on already. Sorry. Yeah, um, he used to. They used to kind of stipulate and which players we can speak to after the game and and which ones we can't. And my, if memory serves me correctly, Gareth just said that night, he's like, "Let's just speak to whoever you like, just grab them by the coach." <laughs> um, so that kind of summed up the spirit of everyone. <laughs> we we got four players, and they were they were all brilliant in their different way. That I I couldn't possibly name the one because I'm going to get slated. But um, we were standing by the coach <laughs> with a certain player. Uh, who just watched a load of other players come past and uh, pointed at them as they went past and just went, he's shit, he's shit, he's shit. <laughs> um, which kind of uh, probably showed why they were all shit <laughs> together. In the, individually, they were you know, not the greatest bunch and collectively the, the spirit had just completely fell apart to the point where you had you know, one of the players just giving a run and commentary to the press on who he thought was really crap. <laughs> Yeah, what a nice place to start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. brilliant. I mean, you, you were, though, I think it's important to point out, you, you were a fan before you started working and covering them, weren't you? Yeah, massively. And um, it makes it much more difficult, to be honest. Um, in the kind of, I'm a bit of a lapsed fan at the moment. I still, still look out for every result, but I haven't really been for a while um, because you have to step back so much in order to cover them and do your job properly. And that kind of takes some of the fun out of it, like no doubt in that you... You can't you can't be a fan if you're if you're meant to be holding them to account if you're meant to be you know um, judging performances and, and stuff like that. Um, it's difficult not to slip into that mode, but yeah, it, it definitely then it, it's difficult to watch the game as a fan once you've had to kind of strip all that emotion out. I think. So, how much did it change that that first game? If you can remember the first game that you actually covered the cobblers, I can. Did it feel just? ridiculously weird in that case that you're having to sort of go I can't be a fan I'm in a press box I can't jump up and down when we score if that ever actually happened when you were following us but you know (laughs) (laughs) but you've got to change it haven't you you can't just be that person stood on the on the north stand and 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 celebrating with the lads yeah and then and that's exactly where I used to be I used to be in the the, um, north stand the season ticket in the north stand and then went from that one season to literally go into a lot of games in, in the press box the next season. The first game that I properly covered was um, Lincoln uh, away, the first game of the um, promotion season under Colin Coldwood. I remember they, that. Yeah, yeah, drew one all. Mm-hmm. That probably wasn't the greatest introduction to trying to be neutral in the press box in that the, the Lincoln City press officer had a Lincoln City replica shirt on, um, ah. which so um, I kind of wasn't given a baptism of fire into being neutral, like quite the opposite. Everyone was just celebrating in the press box. Um, but yeah, it's a bit weird when they, I think they were 1-0 down and they scored uh, to equalise, Cobblers did. And then um, you immediately want to just punch the air and, and you have to do kind of the smallest of little digs by your side so no one else sees you. But yeah, it's it's strange. That season was dead easy, to be honest with you, um, because obviously they were winning every week. It's a lot. It's sometimes a lot harder to um, hide how 
bitter and twisted you are when they're losing than it is to to necessarily hide how delighted you are when they're winning. Hi, I'm Martin Smith, and it's all cobblers to me. I fell out with Owen Jess that season. Uh, that was my main memory. You're going to have to tell us about yeah. that now. <laughs> <laughs> it was. So, I mean, I was only tw- I was 19, I think. Um, so I was only young and a bit wet behind the ears, and um, it just stupidly hadn't checked. Like he's famous for no one knowing what his actual name is. Is it yes. Owen? Is it Ian? Is it something else? And then, Owen. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. I, I didn't check the um, pronunciation and said, "All right, Owen." And he gave me the biggest scowl. And then um, I think it basically just like refused to talk to me. I think I th- I'm pretty sure I, I said, all right, Owen, can I have a couple of questions? And he said, it's Ian. And then the, the security guys in the tunnel are absolutely pissing themselves laughing at this kind of wet behind the ears kid really pissing off the 34 year old pro. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he wouldn't, and he wouldn't speak to me. I don't think he was being massively arsy on, on reflection. I think he was probably more giving me the runaround, but he was genuinely a bit pissed off and was like, I can't be, I can't be bothered to deal with this. And then, um, and then we just didn't really kind of, every time I saw him for the rest of the season, he'd, he just wouldn't make any kind of um, move to come and have a chat or anything. He'd literally go the other way. And then um, we got, the Cobbers got promoted and then um, Lakey was away. Jez, who's a um, sports editor at the Cron, um, was covering it with myself. He had family commitments. So um, there was basically no one to go out with. So I rang my only cobbler supporting mate and we went out on the lash to celebrate and we, we got absolutely hammered. Um, and then um, a lot you do when you're kind of 19, 20, you think, eh, why don't we just blag our way into where the after party is with all the, the players and stuff and just go and see them. And, yeah. and so we went to Black Bottom Club and I flashed the press card out and I put on my most sober voice that I possibly could. And I was like, um, looks really embarrassing, but we forgot to get in contact with you. We're actually following the Cobblers Players Party. Like, here's my press card, you know, let us in. And they um, they took the bait. So we went downstairs and then we went to grab a drink. And the first person I saw at the bar <laughs> was Ian <laughs> Jess. <laughs> and then, um, so I just, I, I was feeling obviously a little bit more confident, like five pints in. And then, so I just said to him like, look, Ian, I'm, I'm really sorry about that thing way back at the start of the season, if you even remember it, for calling you Owen. And he just pissed himself laughing. He said, yeah, yeah, it's, it's no problem. And then, <laughs> and then I'm feeling too confident. And I, and and there's loads of, you know, as there, as there isn't any kind of establishment in town, there's uh, loads of uh, young females surrounding the players and stuff like that. And so I just, so I was t- trying to build up a rapport with him. <laughs> I said, who's this then, your wife? But it was just some 20-year-old girl. <laughs> 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 was, <laughs> and he just looked at me, laughed again, and he just said, like, quit while you head, mate. <laughs> <laughs> So did, that, that is brilliant, actually, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, because it, it sort of shows that, you know, when you when you go from the position that 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 we've both been in as fans of the football club first and foremost, and then you get the chance to actually talk to the players in well, in your case, an official capacity, in, in my case, unofficial, but for my own well, for this podcast. Official as it gets, um, Charles, I'd say. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, like, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're covering them media-wise now in a different way, right? So Yeah, that, that's right. And it is it is odd. Like, when we when I first spoke to Nicky Adams at the start of uh, this season, 2019-20 uh, season, you, you kind of go, you, you know, the 2015-16 season was way before the podcast started. And back then he was just a member of that that championship winning team and therefore a bit of a hero. Okay, he's what, 10 years younger than me, but you know, he's still a bit of a hero, even though he's a young lad. And 
the first time I spoke to him, it, you know, you just suddenly go, oh shit, I'm talking to somebody that, that won League Two for us and that I sing about on the terrace. Yeah. This is weird. And it's just, and it's weird. The, um, to know, I actually, um, I was on work experience at the Cron for about like a year before I actually joined and started covering the Cobblers. And then, um, so I helped out at a few games um, when I could. <laughs> the first interview I actually did was with Ian Holloway, um, who back in that kind of time was, um, he was QPR manager, but he was massive in terms of like a TV personality. Mm. And I was just crap because A, I didn't know how to interview because I was just an 18 year old kid. And then, yeah. and B, like, it's really intimidating suddenly speaking to these guys. Um, mm. It was just after um, he'd said something like the week before, something like, um, I want my players to be wolves, but they were sheep or something something like that and you know because he had all yeah. these metaphors and stuff anyway so i had an old samsung phone at the time i didn't have any dictaphone it was one of the first kind of camera phones so i had to record this interview that i was doing with ian holloway on a video phone i had no way of, of recording it audio wise at the time so i videoed him but he was like cobblers had beaten qpr in the, in the um the league cup i think and he was furious and then i didn't know what i was doing so i was just trying to keep him talking really to see if i could get any lines out of him but I, all the time actually videoing him without him knowing I was videoing him. And and I've just got the weirdest kind of interview with him getting more and more pissed off. And um, me asking him stupid lines that that never really amounted to anything. And then um held him for way longer than I should have done. I saw he was getting annoyed and then I um, finished the interview and he um <laughs> turned around to um I don't know what was maybe his kid or something like that. And he's just right, now I'm done with these useless bunch of bastards. Let's go home. And I was like, oh, okay, what, what an introduction to being a journalist. <laughs> oh, fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Um, t- tell us about, I know there's there's one story that, that I know you're dying to tell me about. Oh, which, which one was that? Guy Branston. Oh, Branston, yeah. No, sorry, we were only talking about that before this, weren't we? Yeah, Guy Branston, Jesus. In, in fairness to Guy, he was... He was great for us because he's a bit of a motor mouth. He, he was good with the press. He knew the game and, and then was quite happy to have a chat. Um, but one of the weirder times when I was at the Crom was when I um, came in one day and um, Jess said to me, he's like, um, well, she Guy Branston's rank for you. I was like, what? Like, you know, we didn't have a personal relationship or anything like that. I just knew him when he was here as a player and then mm. interviewed him when he came back. And uh, Jess was like, yeah, he's pretty pissed. And I was like, all right, okay, what do you want to chat about? So Cobblers had played them uh, um, on a Friday night. They played Torquay. It was two all. I can't remember the much of the game at the moment. I don't know that because I've just looked back before we had this chat. And then mm. <laughs> he, he totally lost it in the um, in the post-match presser by the pitch. When I say press conference, it, it's a lot, a lot less glamorous than people imagine. Basically, just stand by the pitch, absolutely freezing. Try and grab some players when they come off. See if they'll have a chat. Uh, hold your phone up, record them, and that's about it. Um, mm. But he was, he didn't really have much of a filter. Um, and so I was reading the piece before um, we had a chat, and he, he basically called Guillaume Bowser a massive cheat, um, which was good fun. But he did call him a very, very good player, so you know he evened it out. And I was booked for blocking a Spanish player, a very, very good player, but he cheated most of the night, um, was the line. He said the referee was very much Northampton. Um, he, <laughs> I didn't say this, Charles, before, but he um, he said the crowd, the crowd are bitter and twisted, <laughs> thinking <laughs> that they're lowly Northampton. He said, but we're lowly Torquay. Um, he said, moan, 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 six fields, blah, blah, blah. And so anyway, so he got a charge from the FA for um, his comments about the ref. Um, and then he uh, he 
he'd got the paper or he'd found it online when he'd got the charge because the um, FA had referenced it. Mm. He'd found the writer and he just rang up the sports desk kind of like chasing me down. And then um, <laughs> just blame me completely, basically. <laughs> when I rang him, he was like, mate, mate, you got me a phone. And I was like, guy, you said you said everything. Like, I've, got, I've got the recording. Like, I'll send you it. So he asked me to send him the recording. And anyway, I think um, to save him coming around to Cron Towers with a baseball bat, we agreed to do um, like a makeup a makeup piece where he apologised <laughs> for everything, um, which I've still got in the um, the archive as well, where he said, like, actually, I, was, I wasn't talking about the crowd as a whole. I was talking about a small section. Um, yeah. She's probably right about that. Um, and then talked <laughs> about how much he loved it and, you know, how amazing everything is and how, um, yeah, he was just mis, mis, um, misquoted or something. I think we kind of let him off. Hi, I'm Alex Nichols, and it's all cobblers to me. The, the biggest threat, though, that I ever got from a player was when... Um, Gareth told me uh, that Chris Dunn wanted to um, lamp me one, which... Now, now that, I, I can't quite imagine why Chris Dunn would want to lamp anyone or why you'd be worried about the fact that he would try and do it. Well, I mean, yeah, I think like, <laughs> when I told Jez at the time, he just said, well, you know, he'd, he'd see your head, go to punch it and miss it. And <laughs> so... Uh, hi, hi, Chris, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Dunny. <laughs> um. I actually, I liked, I liked um, Chris. He was a really nice bloke, really intelligent guy. And um, going fast forward in now to I think 2010, 2011, mm. where um, Coppers had played Crew on a Tuesday night, um, and they'd won six two. And yes. so, in hindsight, maybe misjudged the mood slightly, but um, basically because uh, the Cron used to get printed at the Cron back in the day, and then it got moved to Sheffield, um, which meant that. Every night we had an 11 o'clock deadline because I had to print it overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that meant that basically we couldn't really do any coverage on a Wednesday for a Tuesday game because it all had to be written within like an hour. Um, yeah. So just changed the coverage. Really good, actually, to do a two-page in-depth thing on a Thursday. So we had all, all day Wednesday to write some stuff and then do some really nice analysis on a Thursday, which um, gave me a rare opportunity to do like an opinion piece, essentially. So I chose that night because if – do you remember the game, Charles? I do remember the game, yes. Can, can you remember the two crew goals? Oh. Well, it won't surprise you uh, to say that the fact that Chris wanted to punch me afterwards, they're basically like massive goalkeeping errors. The fact that we won 6-2 yeah. suggests that, yeah, the other side were pretty crap and, and then we were all over. <laughs> but he let, he let, I think he missed, he went to catch one, went through and went into the top corner or something. That's right, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe then also let one under his body or through his legs or, or something like that. Mm. Um. And it genuinely was a shame because he was a very good shot stopper and, and he was yeah. he had good keeper attributes. I just think like mentally just switched off all the time. Um so I basically wrote a piece saying it's time for like it's time for Chris Dunn to stand up. And if if he does, he could be the um the rock that um the the playoff kind of bid is um is built on. Mm. But at the moment he's the weak link in the chain. And now I can I can see why someone might get annoyed about that. But um <laughs> again I was, you, you do question yourself when you write these pieces when people get pissed off with it like Gareth wasn't too happy at the time he, he was the one that said like yeah you've done he's after you at <laughs> 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 school and, and, uh, and I said well you know what, what do you think to Gareth and he said well, you know we've won 6-2 and you've chosen to write a negative piece you know I, I don't think it's it's right and I was like yeah fair enough so I said, spoke to Jez and said um, 
you know, what do you think? Do I ever misjudge that? He went, no. If anything, you were you were too lenient. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt I didn't feel so bad after that. But um, yeah, I might have spent a couple of days waiting to a couple of games waiting for Chris Dunn to go down the tunnel before I um, decided to go down <laughs> and do the press. Do you know? Do you know though? I mean, I, I was really surprised when Coventry signed him. Uh, we all were. of the fact, yeah, because of the fact that he was just like you say. He could have been a really good goalkeeper. I always felt that because he came in after Bunny, mm. he had. It's a bit like how anyone, you know, following Chris Wilder mm. or following Alex Ferguson. There's always. It's an impossible job, really. Yeah. But he never really stood up and was, you know, the player that he could have been. And then to get signed by Coventry, and he did. So I remember my dad saying to me, well, he's going to now be coached by better coaches. Yeah, yeah. And that's they see the potential in him, and they think that they're what they're essentially doing is they're saying, "Well, your coaches are rubbish. Ours are good. Mm. We'll get more out of him." Uh, and then the next thing you know, he's playing for Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, in Dunny's defense, he was a thoroughly nice bloke, genuinely, like I say, like intelligent guy, nice fella. I never personally had a problem, you know, with him face to face, and I think we did we did kind of catch up in the end, and he he nonplussed it, you know, he never mm. never sort of tore me down about it. So, um, I think. I don't know. I I look back and laugh on on my sporting career much more now than when I was actually competing. It's very personal at the time, and everything's very serious. But you look back and go, "Yeah, I was a bit crap at that or whatever." And um, Bernie though, Bernie, uh, <laughs> Bernie and Jez fell out. Uh, do you remember? Um, we played Oldham on a Saturday. Um, he was it Oldham? Was it Pete? Maybe it was the Peterborough game. There was one game where Bernie basically raced out to um, three, you know, two thirds of his half, totally missed the ball. And, I think that's um, Borough. Yeah, was it Borough? Yeah. I think so, yeah. And we were at Nottingham Forest the next week and he was just brilliant at um, Forest. Um, and so we spoke to him after the game and he had a right pop at Jez and wouldn't wouldn't speak to him, walked off, was like shouting and all this kind of stuff. He said in the radio interview, which we normally kind of piggyback on, he said, uh, mm. you know, everyone who's slating me last week is going to be praising me this week. Which, to be honest with you, like, we just call it how it is every week. Like if you were crap, mm. like you were crap. You know, you can't you can't say he was crap, but he's been amazing every other week. So we've just not called him crap this week. <laughs> so um, but and he was amazing at Forest. And he had a bit of a pop in the radio interview, and then Jez tried to speak to him afterwards and said, "Well, you obviously weren't happy with you know something I wrote last week. Do you want to talk about it?" And he, mm. yeah, he wasn't happy about that. So um, Jez was an like, Jez was and is an absolutely amazing writer. Um, and so he then wrote a follow up opinion piece saying, "We <laughs> think the headline was something like." No apologies for telling it like it is. <laughs> so yeah, Bunny really convinced him to back down there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must be uh, going going back to that thing of like the way through that period of time that you're covering the Cobblers. Obviously, a lot of the players that would have been at the club when you were just a fan, so before your mm. front days, they'll have moved on by the time you get towards you know 2010, 2011, 2012. Mm. Um, but who who out of all of those players, who, who was your favourite? Not just necessarily on the pitch, but to interview as well and to talk to and get to know. Yeah, good question. Um, I actually, um, <laughs> probably differently to everyone else, I actually got on really well with Chris Doy. Okay. Um, he was uh, he was a funny like funny character in that. I remember um, I spoke to him at the start of the two thousand eight two thousand nine season, and then. Um, did a great interview with him. They beat Cheltenham four two, and everyone was happy. And then, but he he said after the interview, he said, "We're going to need your help this season." I said, "Like you know, what you're on about?" He said, "The chairman's cut the budget. He's cut it every year, but he ups the you know the promises to the fans." And 
you know, talks a good game. He says, we're really going to struggle this year. And that was day mm. one and they did actually get relegated. But the thing is with Chris, he was a great interview when you spoke to him. He really was. And he was um, really engaging. He thought about his answers and he, he didn't just speak in cliches, but he'd just never come and talk to you. And I mean, there was always rumours that he had it in his contract that he didn't have to do media. He was that kind of reticent to do it. Mm. Um, so we'd, when, when I spoke to him and got a good interview, we'd try and save some quotes to run it across a few weeks because we'd just never get to speak to him again. Right. And then, so I saved some of his quotes, which were totally um, non, uh, non-time sensitive. Saved some of his quotes mm. from the Cheltenham and stuff, run it a couple of weeks later. And I bumped into him a couple of weeks later. He was like, if you want to speak to me, come and speak to me. Don't run my interviews from, you know, three weeks ago. I said, you say that now, Chris, you never, ever, ever come to speak to us. <laughs> and when I ask for interviews with you, Gareth says, no, Chris, don't want to do media. And so, but he was, um, he was good fun. He'd tell it how it is. Um, he, like, um, I think he was a great pl- person to have in your team when you were winning. He probably wasn't the greatest to have in your team when you were losing. Um, mm. In the, uh, he was, he was like classically kind of very dry humoured, a bit, a bit dour and stuff like that. But, um, could be a bit on the on the negative side, should we say? Um, <laughs> but he was. I got on with him. He was good fun. Scott McLeaf was just brilliant as a player and brilliant as a person to speak to. Like just just really good fun. One of the people that would. Um, you have players that like totally understandably don't want to engage, and also like will pretend after your tenth interview with them in ten weeks they've never seen you before. <laughs> but McLeish was the absolute opposite. He, you know, he'd, he'd remember your name. He'd talk to you about your family. He'd talk to you about what's going on outside. He'd then give a brilliant interview. He was just like amazing on the pitch and I think um he was probably the the most gutted that I've been when I um went home on transfer deadline day there'd been no business everyone's happy and then at 11 o'clock at night it got sold to Wickham was it yeah and um, yeah that was yeah he was brilliant wasn't he McLeish he, he was he guy. was and, and do you know and he's still the same he's still I mean I know Bayo is was after him and, mm. and I think they did they even play together for a little bit they when did. he came back on loan yeah I was going to say when when he came back on loan yeah yeah but I mean I mean for 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 sort of people of our age then McLeish is the Northampton striker that, mm. that every striker gets compared to and he did because he broke he, he was the first one since Bobby Barnes to do the 20 in a season wasn't he yeah yeah exactly yeah. and he was just he was super Scott McLeish yeah that that is exactly what he was, and it's kind of yeah. It's one of those. I, when I spoke to when we spoke to Lee Harper way back on the very first love harps, pod, absolutely love harps. What a guy! He he had some great story, and I mean, I obviously, he's, he's still really good mates with Scott McLeish. Yeah, and I and I said to her, I, I said, "Come on, go and put a good word in for for Scotty for us, would you?" Um, and and he said, "Well, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Um, you know, he might not want to and stuff." I said, "Well, if he doesn't want to, that's absolutely fine." I think that um, Scotty would be delighted to be on. He, lo- he loves a reminisce, loves a chat. He's he's funny as funny as anything. Um, I I've, um, bumped into him a couple of times at uh, stupid o'clock in the morning when when we'd all had a few beers, and he was he was great fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can imagine that. I can imagine that. He was the only player that, um, one of the only players that I'd text when he left to say, like, genuinely, like, thanks so much and I'm really sorry to see you go. And that said, I still, I still speak to Hints. I still um, see Hints in the gym and catch up with him. And he's... Craig, again, Craig Hinton, that is. Yes, yeah, yeah. One of the yeah. nicest blokes that you'll meet. He, um, again, like, you know, we talk about people laugh on their career. He'll have a right laugh about his, um, his abilities as a player. Because he wasn't the greatest <laughs> player, let's face it, but um, more than Hints. <laughs> when I see you next. Um, but... Uh, but a very passionate guy uses um, ability the best, and, and just like he, um, 
when him and Guinan left, I think they left at the same time, didn't they? Mm, yeah. You really like, I remember really, I, I put out this tweet um, that at the time I thought it was one of the most profound things I've ever said. Now I look back and now I think, oh, Steve, like, <laughs> Just trying to sound really cool. But I think I put out a tweet that said, like, good luck to um, Steve Guinan and Craig Hinton, like, real men in a fake world. And I was like, yeah, I've really, really kind of got this essence of awesomeness here. And then um, I suppose Jeff knew Partridge. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but they were. They were they were exactly like that. They were just really nice, down-to-earth blokes that if you saw them anywhere else, you wouldn't know they were footballers and they, you know, just, yeah. just courteous and stuff like that. They were obviously experienced lads as well. And then... Um, it was a shame just personality wise when they left because I don't know, you need you need your stalwarts who kind of understand that everything's not real and not as not as crazy mm. as you think it is. Um so yeah, it's good when they left. So to sort of wrap up then, Steve, mm. for this, because otherwise we could be here for three hours. We said five hours, didn't we? Yeah. We did. We did say five hours. I'm only half yeah. an hour into that. I've got four and a half left. Like, crack on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we you said about your favourite player. What what was your favourite moment? And and also, just to sort of finish off, I mean, you say you've kind of not been able to to go back to being the same kind of fan uh, as you were before your days at the Cron. Do you, how how much has that changed for you as well? Well, to answer the second question first, I'm not sure. Uh, like, I'm genuinely not sure if it's just the kind of the Cron thing and the way that you look at things differently, or just being older. In the, um, I think I started supporting the Covers um, about. 25 years ago um mm. 1994 was my first game home to Walsall two all everyone remembers yeah. their first game don't they brilliant yeah um, yeah and at the time they were like 20th in um division three and when I realized last year that it was 25 years since supported the cobblers and I looked at the table and they were about 20th in what was division three you kind of get that feeling of nothing really matters <laughs> do you know what I mean like nothing really changes that much and uh so I'm not sure if that's just being older and more cynical and realising that even though you like really want to get promoted this season, you know, Northampton um, historically go up for a couple of years, come back down mm. and, and, you know, a bit of a yo-yo between one and two. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking too deeply. Maybe you just need to go up six fields on a Saturday afternoon and shout a bit and go and have a pint and, and everyone's happy. But um, so I don't know how much that's just the cron. It might just be, you know, kind of getting older as well. But I think mm. it is it is difficult. And... When you're in total fan mindset, um, you don't you don't kind of give so much compassion. Um, but maybe having come up the other side from a sporting career as well, you kind of look at players and go, okay, yeah, but he's trying this and he's young and he's done that and stuff. And that makes being a fan really boring <laughs> because you're really way too lenient when it's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's a long rambling answer. Not, not really a <laughs> conclusion. What was your, your favourite overriding moment, I think, yeah? Yeah, I don't know. Not sure. I, I wouldn't say because I don't normally. I don't know. It's just not the kind of guy that thinks about favourites. I've just got um, mm. more kind of most memorable moments. I think um, one of the one of the most um, memorable nights that I covered the Cobblers was when they drew it. Um, well, they lost on penalties to Sunderland. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just a mad game. Like I remember sitting in the press box, eighty-one minutes. I think Guthrie scored the second. Like. Um, Gareth and Nick, who we were really close to, because um, obviously we covered every game we do, and they were sitting across of us, li- were literally punching the air because we were about to win 2 0 at, at Sunderland. Mm. And we we probably weren't far away either. And then obviously got they got done 2 2 and extra time and stuff. And then um, Roy Keane was always like a hero of mine growing up. 
and so I went and did the, the press conference with Roy Keane afterwards. And it, um, it was just everyone was shitting themselves. <laughs> Every single journalist <laughs> in there <laughs> was crapping it. Um, I later read in his book that um, that night he he um, asked the asked his assistant to set up a tactics board in the the dressing room at half time or at full time or something, so he then could walk in and fly kick it to show the players how pissed off he was. <laughs> um, yeah, classic Keen, isn't it? Um, so I was in there in the press conference and and he's saying, he said, look, I've missed FA Cup finals. I've done my cruciate. I've missed Champions League finals. He said, this is up there with the worst nights ever in my football career. It's just like, wow. And then at 11.58 that night, I got a phone call from Jez uh, saying the back, your back page story hasn't come through with Roy Keane. And then um, it goes to print in two minutes. And I was on the middle of the bridge in Sunderland. So I just put all my stuff over the middle of the path, put in the <laughs> crappy 2008 Wi-Fi dongle and try and send this back page. And um, that to me was kind of like just the night that all the coolest parts of, of covering the cobblers came together. They'd lost, obviously, which isn't great. But, um, you know, interviewing a kind of superstar manager, um, the thrill of kind of being on deadline, getting an amazing, amazing story and stuff was um, probably like a, a journalistic highlight, even though obviously the cobblers lost. Thank you to Steve Walsh there and thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got another couple of episodes of Memory Lane still to come on this series and if you'd like to take part in Series 2 then do get in touch. We're at Cobblers to Me on Twitter or you'll find us on Facebook by searching It's All Cobblers to Me and you can send us an email through our website cobblerstome.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday for our weekly edition of It's All Cobblers to Me. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.